Brought to you by Dubois Productions. Hello and welcome back to NO and JB Sports Pedigree. We are here to provide insight on a wide variety of sports topics. NBA hoops to UEFA Champions League, NFL, MLB, anywhere in between. Who knows where we're going to go today. We are definitely going to give you some perspective and real honest opinion and have a whole lot of fun while doing it. We certainly hope you will join us in the fun, but let's not waste any more time. Uh, I am JB. And I am the one and only N.O. JB. N.O. We got another top five segment. Yeah. And my favorite thing about the top fives is that it's extremely subjective. That's really my favorite thing about it because there's so many guys who just missed the cut on both of our lists. Everyone we've done to this point and, you know, most of the time we acknowledge them, but it's such a subjective list. So listeners, you know, make sure y'all give y'all opinions as well mm. on yeah. our social media and uh, let us know who y'all thought should have been in, who shouldn't have been in. JB, I have safeties, NFL safeties Ooh, this yeah, week. What you got? Yeah, that's a good one. I got defensive tackles. Again, like you said, both very subjective, like the stats you know, it's not necessarily like a QB stats where you can go look them up. So it takes a little more digging. And, uh, you know, we, like, you know, said, we'd love to hear who you guys would have on your list or, you know, call us out if you feel like we let, maybe left somebody off. It's not like we're going to change Absolutely. it, but hey, <laughs> we open to the right. conversation. <laughs> and we, and we take a lot into account. Let me remind y'all, we, we do, we take a whole lot into account with the players that we choose. I test stats winning percentage, longevity. Y'all know that's one of my top ones. And, you know, for me with these safeties, that was my football position that took me to college and professional arena football. So let me kick it off with my number five, JB. Let's go. My number five safety of all time is a player that I always say this, respected him a ton, but I hated him because he didn't play for my Colts and he was a rival. I'm talking about Troy Palomalu, who ironically – my style of safety you know um that that's the style that when i played a lot of people compared me to him um in terms of his instinctiveness and just being able to locate the ball a step quicker than most people jb he was insanely quick as you know laterally and he knew how to finish when he arrived like big hitter also timed up some blitzes incredibly during his career and literally will make a tackle at or behind the line of scrimmage in the next play break up a pass downfield, then chase a receiver or running back down across the field. This dude was all over the place. He was he a was. menace. He was I a always menace. Re- I always respected him. Never liked him. because <laughs> he, he messed up my boys a lot of times. Yeah, but he's a dog guy like Steeler. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You, you had the game plan for him primarily because he just had such a freedom in their defense. And honestly, hmm. it looked like you couldn't game plan for him. Troy Palomalu was my number five safety of all time yeah that's a good way to start it off can't leave him off the list and uh speaking of guys that you had the game plan for and Steelers uh my number five defensive tackle of all time is none other than mean Joe Green it's a great one JB yeah this guy played uh from 1969 to 1981 so just before my time actually during his time uh he was is 6'4", 275. So if you were to play nowadays, he'd be a little bit undersized. But for that day, I mean, this dude's a monster. What really jumped off the page to me when, when I was looking back over some of his uh, 
criteria and some of his stats. 11 straight Pro Bowls for this guy, and he only played, like I said, 69 to 81. He really was the Goodness. foundational piece of the Steel Curtain, which, mm. you know, to this day, a lot of people talk about as one of the greatest defensive kind of dynasties of all time. So Starts um, on the line. Starts on the line. Yep, starts up the middle. Uh, 11 straight Pro Bowls. He was just... Um, known for just being a monster of stopping the run. You know, you couldn't, you just couldn't run at him. Six all pros, two time defensive player of the year in 1971 and 1974. Um, not that frequent, though, you see that with defensive tackles getting that, that recognition. Um, so, number five for my, my defensive tackle is Mean Joe Green. We both had some Steelers number five on our list. So yeah, well, well, we're not going to say too much more about that. Yeah. Um, My next two, JB, and I'm going to just do number four for now. They're okay. old school players that I actually had to do a lot of research, you know, when I was figuring out my list. And these are guys who I didn't know a whole lot about. My okay. number four player, JB, is Ken Houston. Ken Houston, he made, okay. Yeah, he made 12 straight Pro Bowls from 68 to 79 jb in his first 12 seasons this guy had an impressive 48 interceptions and he was a ball wow. hawk with size 6'3 197 free safety jb wow <clears throat> the guy became a starter early in his rookie year and never looked back he had 21 fumble recoveries too in his career so that's obviously for a safety yeah he had a nose for the ball jb ken houston ironically played for houston most of his huh. career and Washington, and he had nine pick sixes out of those. So, wow, that's some Deion Sanders level pick six numbers. And this mm. dude had so many accolades, um, I couldn't even count them all. But those interception stats and just the twelve straight Pro Bowls is why I couldn't leave him off the list. Yeah, well, you got to think too. The we, they weren't throwing the ball like they are as frequently now. So to have that many Great picks, point. that's uh, it's maybe even more impressive. My uh. Before I go any further on my list, I do want a couple honorable mentions that I do want to throw out there, okay? Uh, Merlin Olsen didn't make my list, and this guy went to 14 straight Pro Bowls. So that's mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the challenge that I had making my list. Also, Bob Lilly, who was just a, a monster for the Cowboys back in the day, eight All-Pros, not on my top five list. So um, both those guys, just wanted to mention them at least. My number four easily could have been higher, Uh Okay. But because of the age that he played and his size, realistically, when I was comparing him, I, I couldn't put him above my top three. So my number four was really the leader and foundation of the Purple People Eaters back in the day with the Vikings, okay. Alan Page. Okay. Alan Page is the only defensive player besides Lawrence Taylor to win MVP. Wow. Defensive tackle won an MVP. That just tells you how dominant this guy was. That's 6'4", 245 pounds. So, again, if he was playing nowadays, you know, maybe he's an edge rusher, potentially, if he's got the speed. But uh, he played from 1967 to 81. So he played really a lot about the same time as me and Joe Green. In 1976, he had 18 sacks as a defensive wow. tackle. And is for Chris... Yeah, for his career, 148.5 sacks. So really averaged right about 10 sacks a year as a defensive tackle. Talk about just living in the backfield. That's Nine right. all pros, 
Uh, yeah, Alan Page was an absolute monster. I feel a little bad for only having him as number four, but uh, this guy was just he's one of the he's one of the best to ever do it. <clears throat> Sounds like he was a dog and playing that old school game. That's a mm-hmm. great one, JB. My number three safety is another old school player, Emlyn Tunnel. Nicknamed okay. the Gremlin, he came into the league in 1948, JBL. He's another wow, one. Wow, that is old school. I'm super familiar with. At, at a time when the racial divide was still very much prevalent in the league, he actually broke the color barrier for the New York Giants and played there for 11 seasons. He was the first black player on the New York football Giants. Wow. In those 11 seasons, he had 74 interceptions, <laughs> ultimately oh. finishing career with 79. Yes. 74. He was also a prolific punt and kick returner as well. This dude was a six-time first-team All-Pro player and nine-time Pro Bowler. Here's a crazy feat that he accomplished, JB. Did you know that in his college days, he recovered from a broken neck? Wow. This is is before (laughs) all this NFL stuff. He had a broken neck in his college days. It is also confirmed that the breaking the color barrier part that I talked about, he hitchhiked to New York City for a tryout. Hitchhiked, walked up to the facilities, said, "Can I try out?" That's how he got on the New York Giants. That needs I couldn't to be leave a movie. List. That needs to be a movie about this dude. Wow! I couldn't leave Man. him off the list. Thanks it's for incredible. The education, because I, I, yeah, Emlyn no, Tunnel, Emlyn the Gremlin. That's got to be Emlyn the Gremlin. Yeah. That's right. Somebody make yep. that movie. Let's go. All right. <laughs> Number three on my list is another Minnesota Viking. At 6-1-290, John Randall had to be on my list. Dominating in the 90s, really, his career from yes, 1990 to 2003. Played 219 games, the defensive tackle. He played a little bit on the edge, but mainly defensive tackle. Really, okay. really revolutionized the game, uh, or one of the guys. Uh, six All-Pros. He had nine double-digit sack seasons as a defensive tackle, including 15 and a half in 1997. Uh, so when you think about somebody with his size, uh, really hadn't seen somebody that big with that type of agility before John Randall came around, wreaking havoc. Um Again, in the longevity piece, 219 games at that position, too, just really mm. jumped off the page at me. John Randall, um, in his heyday, not too many guys better. He's number three on my list. That's excellent. Yes, I do remember. He is from my era, so I know a lot about mm-hmm. him. JB, you know how I like to do, putting my number two and number one players together on these lists and just kind of comparing and contrasting in that manner. Uh I'm just going to go ahead and tell you who they are. Okay. It's Ronnie Lott and Ed Reed. Ronnie mm. Lott and Ed Reed are two of the biggest hitting slash ball hawk safeties ever. They both were insatiable about playing extremely physical and outrageously instinctive. Both of them around the ball all the time. Both of these guys are players that I aim to mirror in my style. Mm. Ed Reed achieved Defensive Player of the Year in his third season in the NFL. (laughs) 78 tackles, 9 interceptions. This dude had 64 interceptions in 12 years. Mm. He's a five-time first-team All-Pro. Ronnie Lott was a force on the 49ers 
who actually started off at cornerback and made his move to safety in year six. He promptly had 77 tackles and 10 interceptions in that year. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> and, and the, let me tell you something else about Ronnie Lott. In years 11 through 14, Ronnie Lott had 93, 103, 123, and 106 tackles. That was years 11 through 14. Oh, by the way, in that 11th season, he also had eight interceptions. Mm. You should know by now, JB, how much I value longevity and consistency at the highest level. Ronnie Lott did that for a long time. But yep. same time, I view these players equally in terms of talent, you know, being the best ever to do it. And my respect for them both, you know, it's 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 just quite honestly the same. But I'm giving Ronnie Lott the slight edge, mostly because San Fran won four Super Bowls mm -hmm. in his era versus one for Ed Reed. I know yeah. Super Bowls are more about the greatness of the team. I understand that. But I honestly didn't have any other way to set these two apart in the N.O. greatness spectrum. Now, before I kick it back over to you, let me tell you the guys who just missed out. Okay. Paul Krause, Brian okay. Dawkins, oh, yeah. Larry Wilson, and Deron Cherry. These are guys who just mm. missed out. And I have to give a special shout out to the deceased, Sean Taylor. Now, Sean Taylor, oh, for those of y'all that don't know, Love Sean Taylor. Washington Redskin, some clowns ran up in his house leading to his death at age 24 i firmly believe he would have been number one on this list mm. if the nonsense didn't happen taking his life away sean taylor mm. died at age 24 r.i.p to him yeah that's so sad man but yeah oh gosh he was a freak of nature out there yes he was that's good stuff man i think uh you know, when I think of Ed Reed, I think of Ball Hawk and just, I mean, he could return. He did returning, too. I think of Ryan right. Watt as like a just monster uh, powerhouse yeah. dominant. Yep. Yep. All right. So, all right. Well, my top two, you probably know who they are. I'm just going to guess what <laughs> I do. My number two defensive tackle of our time is none other than Warren Sapp. Mm -hmm. For this guy, double teams really didn't mean a whole lot. Uh, 6'2", 303-pounder, played from 95 to 07, had a total of 96 and a half sacks for his career while being double-teamed on nearly every play, uh -huh. uh, including 16 and a half sacks in 2000, Defensive Player of the Year honors once. He also averaged, now here's one thing I failed to mention, defense tackles for losses did not become a stat until... Uh, the early 2000s. So for some of these other guys, unfortunately, I wasn't able to give you that. Once that stat came around, in addition to the sack numbers, Warren Sapp averaged about 10 tackles for loss per year on top of his sacks as well. Um, always in the backfield, six all pros. And you want to talk about revolutionary, just, you know, trash talking. Uh, you know, just always up in the quarterback's face and really intimidating and just setting the tone for the defense. No um, Chasing people down before yeah. and after the game. <laughs> right, right. And uh, I guess everybody probably now knows who my number one is, and it's uh, Aaron Donald. That's right. Aaron Still playing. Donald. Aaron Donald. <clears throat> Let me tell you why. Couple, If you watch the guy, you probably know why. Uh, 6'1", 280. Strength and speed combination unlike we probably have ever seen in any era. Uh, he has averaged 10 sacks a year 
since he's been in the league, including 20 and a half in 2018. 20 and a half sacks in one season. He's only that played since 2014, right? Well, since then, he's had 150 tackles for loss in his eight years, led the league twice with 25 and 20 in each of those seasons. He's made the Pro Bowl every single year he's played, including his rookie year. And in his eight seasons, he's made All-Pro seven times and won three Defensive Player of the Year. And obviously, if you watch the most recent Super Bowl, when it be, when it's crunch time and the game is on the line, the best players step up, and Aaron Donald surely did that in the Super Bowl on the big stage and uh, really took over the game. Uh, he he's still got more to go. Um, he, I, I think he could easily have another five, six, seven, eight years at the level he's at, and uh, I just I couldn't keep him, you know. M- I, I kind of went back where I, I originally had um, someone else in the top spot, but the more I thought about it and the more I looked at it, I couldn't keep him off. Um, number one on my list, man. Really the only thing I have to say, Aaron Donald is not a human being. That's it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> he's not. I mean, I don't, he's not human. I don't know where he's from, what planet, but he's not a human being. That dude is insane. <laughs> I know he's crazy, right? Yeah. And that's how we'll end it out. Uh, JB, we actually, because baseball season is here, I'm going to give some short previews. I got the American League. JB has the National League. It is finally back around. The boys of summer are here. The AL East, JB, is extremely heavy. We're talking about four teams that are contenders, to be honest, to reach the World Series. We've got the Rays... Yankees, Blue Jays, and Red Sox, all very much above average teams. So let's look out for all four of those squads to potentially win the division. The White Sox coming in are the class of the AL Central. And the Astros, of course, out west with Seattle and Oakland kind of waiting in the wings. I'm trying to figure out when a team with the likes of Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, JB. Yes, the Angels. Trying to figure out when they're going to be a player in the yeah, AL West, JB. exactly. What's going on with that? Who knows? You know, I mean, obviously, baseball's a it's really, really a team sport. But you would think that a team in that setting with those two stars would be a little bit better than what they are. We'll see if this year is the year for them. I also don't know how the Tampa Bay Rays continue to do it with a low payroll, JB. We're talking about annual contenders who have incredible management system understanding how to develop personnel it's mind-boggling how good the Tampa Bay Rays are year in year out um never see them on TV but they're always there in the end yeah the Astros like all of a sudden ahead, they JB. show all of a sudden they show up when the playoffs like where'd they come <laughs> and you're from? like wow they're they've been good <laughs> Uh-huh. They've been good this year. <laughs> All right. The Astros lost Zach Greinke and Carlos Correa. We'll see if that makes a difference. However, JB, the Seattle Mariners acquired uh, two guys named Jesse Winker and A. Eugenio Suarez. Mm, they did. And and they also got a couple good pitchers, and I think they can overtake the Astros. We'll see how that goes throughout the course of the season. Ultimately, in the American League, it's going to be the starting pitching that takes the cake. In a hitter-heavy league, especially in the East, the team who has the most consistent starting pitching, as usual, is going to win the pennant. You know, and and now 
that we have universal DH in both leagues, it's really going to be imperative that teams have depth in the pitching area. So what you got for the NLJB? Well, see, I, you know, I can't believe you didn't talk about the, the Guardians. Um, so buckle up, <laughs> buckle, <laughs> buckle up your, your seatbelts. <laughs> uh, we're going to go fast and furious here, so buckle up, all right? We're going to start in the East. Right. Got the defending World Series champs, Braves. They're still loaded. Get Acuna back. Probably their best player, you know, so they won the World Series without their best player. Uh, they did lose Freddie Freeman. That's big. Uh, but they added Matt Olson and Kenley Jensen. So potentially could even have a better team than last year. But, you know, it's mm -hmm. very challenging to repeat. We'll see. Uh, the Phillies added Castellanos. Oh, it's so sad. And Schwarber. Oh, so man. added a couple bats to go along with Romuto, Segura, Gregorios, and, of course, Bryce Harper. Um, upgraded mm -hmm. their bullpen. Mm -hmm. They're pretty terrible defensively, though. So <laughs> that's probably their biggest downfall. But they got a pretty good lineup. Um probably a good chance to uh, compete this year uh the nationals of course juan soto is an absolute monster you got nelson cruz and josh bell as well but pitching not very strong so i wouldn't i wouldn't uh expect a whole lot out of them same with the marlins um pretty nice rotation young young guys but the lineup is got a lot of holes you know the mets really jumped out to me uh, I did a little research. They actually have spent a billion dollars since 2016. 2016. Wow. And they, and they have nothing to show for it, right? Nothing. Biggest issue, though, honestly, for them has been injuries. Um, mm -hmm. In 2018, for example, they had $70 million in payroll <clears throat> for players that were on IR. So could this potentially be their year? Um, you know, they picked up Max Scherzer. Already have, you know, DeGrom um, <laughs> hurt. So... Who knows? If they could stay healthy, they definitely have a shot with that pitching staff. And they really don't have any excuses with the second-highest payroll behind None. the Dodgers. Uh, mm -hmm. So that kind of segues us to the West, where, of course, the Dodgers are the favorites uh, behind Bueller, Kershaw, adding Freddie Freeman to that crazy lineup. Mookie Betts might be the most talented player in the league, not named Otani. Um, the lineup's so loaded that you got Cody Bellinger batting eighth. I mean, that's crazy. So, of course, uh, you got the Giants, who were a real surprise last year, but Buster Posey retired, so that could be a big impact for them, leadership clubhouse-wise and behind the plate. Uh, Diamondbacks, yeah, I guess they're going to play this year, but <laughs> I wouldn't expect, <laughs> wouldn't expect a whole lot. Uh, just sorry, not trying to throw shade at you, but just – to be honest, the Rockies. It looks is what like, it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Chris Bryant kind of seemed like a ticket sale promotion signing. Uh, I'm sure he'll have a big year, but I wouldn't expect a whole lot out of the Rockies. The Padres, a lot of young talent. Um, Tatis out for a while is really uh, big for them, but, um, you know, we'll see if Machado and Hosmer and those guys can hold down the fort until he gets back. I think the Padres can make a run. And then last, our beloved Central, um, Brewers looking like the favorites again. You got two Cy Young candidates and a third starter who is an all-star. So um, it's going to be tough to beat those guys with pitching like that. Uh, Cardinals kind of looks like a farewell year for Pujols, Yachty, and, and Wainwright. Um, I'm certainly not going to shed any tears over those guys going away. Well, no, maybe, sir. Maybe Pujols, but <laughs> um, Cubs, really Cubs, Reds, Pirates. I mean, I don't know. Kind of a, a lot of mediocrity is what I would expect. 
Um, we're yeah. certainly hoping that India and Stevenson and Green can please help us get through the year until football gets here. So that's all I ask. <laughs> at, at least give us some kind of hope uh, in the months of May, June, and July, please. Yeah, please. Don't don't be out of the race too early. <sighs> yeah, hopefully we won't start off with one of them. <laughs> oh, and nine starts. We go ahead. And, oh Lord. <laughs> we'll go ahead and wait for for college football to start. All right. Oh my gosh. So that's the MLB preview. Excited to get it going. Um, what do you got for your personal segment this week? You know, JB. My personal segment this week is about self-motivation. Okay. A lot of surveys have occurred since, you know, March of 2020 when the coronavirus still began regarding self-motivation. And many of them report that over half of the population has seen a drop in the motivation to work. Hmm. That inevitably has trickled down to high school athletics. As I've seen a big drop off in kids just taking initiative choosing hard work or a workout over fun and leisure. So Mm. I'm constantly asking my athletes that I coach, what motivates you from within? Now, myself as a student athlete, a member of society and as a coach slash trainer, I've always been motivated by my failures. The idea that failure allows us to bounce back and sort of learn from that defeat or mistake and make us more humbly appreciate success is true. It's absolutely true. That's why any successful person must find their self-motivation. Am I perfect and always motivated? Of course not. But I found that it's important in these moments of having low enthusiasm to constantly set small goals. That's the climax right there. Constantly set small goals. They have to be attainable. Don't go setting a crazy goal that is outrageous and you're not going to achieve. Set small ones. Then you'll be more primed to continue taking new small risks for self-improvement. Thus leading to self-motivation. So, that's all I got. You got to take them. Yeah, that's good. You got to be intentional. Of and course. you, you got to take that first step. Right. I like that. Absolutely. Good stuff. For my personal segment, I want to touch on the new NFL rule. For those of you that didn't hear, a new rule came down that every NFL team is now mandated to hire a minority or female Mm -hmm. on their offensive coaching staff. It's like the new Rooney rule. Exactly. So it's not, but it's not just like, hey, you got to interview kind of halfway interview. Legitimately, you have to hire somebody. You have to hire them. Yep. So how you feel about that, JB? Yeah, that's what I want to touch on. Obviously, my first thought is that it's sad. You know, it's sad that we are to this state where we have to do something like that when we have Mm -hmm. a league that is 70% or more um, black athletes. And yet, it's not represented on the sidelines or in the front office. And it's, it's a microcosm really for our society. Sports always are. Um, I think that I would, I would say it's a positive that the NFL actually and their leadership actually cares enough to make a stand to at least try to make an impact. Uh, I will be curious to see what happens with um, the former Dolphins coach now who's actually a member of the Steelers coaching staff now 
for those of you who weren't aware. Uh, Brian, uh, why can't I think of his name? Oh, goodness. Bri- Brian Flores. Yeah. I'll be curious to see what happens with that, you know, ongoing um, lawsuit considering this, uh, what the NFL is doing here. But, yeah. you know, in, in the in the fact that they're making an offensive coach, I think is good as well because we can see the trend has been to promote offensive coaches. And it makes sense because that's what we're always looking for in the game is promoting offense, 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 offense. All the rules are catered to that. So, um, you know, it allows for the legacy to be controlled because if you look back um, over the years, it's always been controlled by white men. And mm-hmm. yeah, we let we let the athletes, you know, we let the black the black guys play, but that's it. You know, we don't allow yeah. them to actually have a piece of the pie or to get further. And again, the fact that you have to make a rule <laughs> to impact this is sad, but I think it is a step, and hopefully, um, it opens up doors for people that may not get the opportunity. The unfortunality of it is that it's going to create dissension of white people because you're going to have white people that are going to say, well, they only got that position because they're black and they're going to become frustrated about that. But, you know, so there's of course many different sides of it. Ultimately, I do think it's a good thing to give opportunities to people that are more than deserve it. So, yeah, I thought it was a little odd too that they threw women in there with yeah, minorities. That's uh, true. Like kind of side kind of side eye in the whole thing. Like, oh, okay, so we're just gonna add that in there. But it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. I think I think you're right. You know, I think I think it's sad that the rule does have to be put in place. Um, but uh, you know, I also do see a lot of you know black men succeeding at positions in the NFL. You know, mm. but. There, but the fact that they felt like they needed to put the rule in place or expand it like they did, it does show that there's, you know, still some kind of issue. Um, sure. So we'll see how it goes. We'll definitely yeah. see and how I it heard, goes. I heard uh, Pete Carroll was kind of laying into the owners at the owners meeting. So um, hmm. not sure of the specifics there, but regarding this, you know, topic. Um, oh, Wasabi the, took. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I'm going to look into that. The definitely. owners are the ones that obviously, you know, they control the hiring ultimately. Um so yeah, what uh, what do we want to talk about for the next segment? You know, JB, JB, I'm gonna let you jump this one off. We got individual effort eye openers. Individual well, effort it. eye openers are usually when an athlete in a game, you know, that we may not have known too much about or may not have been a great player, they kind of took us by surprise, took the league by mm-hmm. storm, and just had an incredible performance on that day. JB, what you got? All right, well. This one is uh, real dear, near and dear and personal to me. And uh, mine is a, too. Good. Go I'm, ahead. Well, I'm gonna let you to personal to me or to you. <laughs> uh, I, no, I'm, I'm saying that the one that I have is very personal too. It's from one I of know. our favorite teams, JB. Oh, nice. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you down memory lane here, and uh, because okay. this is one of those where I can actually remember where I was mm. watching this game. Yep. We're going back to 1994, Cincinnati Bearcats versus the Wyoming Cowboys. This is the Lazelle Durden game. So, okay. 
again, I'm 13 years old, sitting on my grandma's couch, just in awe of this performance. So the Bearcats were coming off a 91-88 to overtime victory against number 11 Minnesota just three days prior. Um, and so just kind of to put it in perspective, I'd really only been seriously watching basketball for a couple years. Um, after this game, Lizelle Durden, hands down, was my favorite player uh, for quite some time. So Bearcats come off that big overtime win. They travel straight to Laramie, Wyoming in the dead of winter and oh had to my. wait three days to play, right? So uh, Danny Fortson was a freshman on this team, but Lazelle Danny Durden. Fortson. You remember, I know everybody remembers Fortson. Um, Lazelle Durden was the really the senior leader on this team. Um, okay. He had 25 against Minnesota, but uh, – this game, after this game, I would never forget the gunslinger as he was appropriately known. So, Bearcats were exhausted, homesick, really ready just to get out of Wyoming. Um, and you could tell they started off the game, missed their first nine shots. Not only were they fighting against all of that, they couldn't breathe. So, you may not realize, but Laramie, Wyoming, the altitude is 72,020 feet, which is, <laughs> you know... You're talking about when you go to Denver, that's a mile high. This is like 2,000 feet higher than Denver, okay? Yeah. So even in practices leading up, uh, Coach Bob Huggins, which shout out to Hugs, uh, I believe he's uh, get, going to get going to the Hall of Fame here. Um, but Huggins was pointing out that Lizelle Durden was really the only guy that could breathe or do anything in practice. So he kind of knew going in he was going to have to carry him. So anyway, uh, being ranked 17th in the country doesn't really matter if you can't breathe. So mm -hmm. uh, going down half, they were down by 15. And uh, in the second half, Durden took over, scoring 33 of his 45 points, which uh, is what, what, it, what? Yeah, 45 on the road. Uh, oh nobody has scored, had scored that since the big O, and nobody scored that much since for the UC Bearcats. So Good. they crawled all Great the way shit. back, um, you know, him hitting – he went 16 of 32 from the floor, 7 of 20 from behind the arc, and 6 of 7 from the line, and crawled all the way back to within two. And as time was expired, Lazelle Durden was fouled on a three-point shot. So literally, oh step into the line, down two, gets to shoot three free throws, right? He's got 42 he points three? already. No hits way. the first oh one. Hits the first one. Silences the 9,000 rabid fans. Gives them the shush, right? <laughs> hits the second one, silences them again, and then proceeds to hit the third one, nails oh in the coffin to win the game. So hey, pretty awesome. Legendary. I'm all it is. I'm getting chills talking about it. So he played 37 to 40 minutes. As I said, his stat line was off the charts. Um, so he ended up going down, being one of the top scorers and shooters in UC history. Definitely had some other big games, but none bigger. In that game at Wyoming, and those three shots in the dead of winter, 1994. That is insane, JB. I don't. I don't think I can outdo you there. But, oh, that's but the good. one. That, but the one that I have is Cincinnati related. Oh, okay. Early June of 2017, I was down at basketball team camp with my squad, and I generally followed Reds games on a sports app, um, and that obviously was the case on this day. Mm -hmm. Scooter Jeanette. Uh, mm -hmm. came up and got a bloop single in the first inning to start this game off. Nothing too special there. But when he comes back up in the third inning, he pops up with the bases loaded. So I'm kind of into it a little bit. Um, 
in between our responsibilities down there. That's when the party really jumped off, JB. Yep. Sent a 3-2 pitch into the seats for a grand slam, a 400-foot shot that got out of here fast. Yep. So, Puda comes back up the next inning and promptly tags a two-run bomb to straightaway center. At this point, it's only the fourth inning. And I'm thinking, the Cardinals, our rivals who we were playing, were probably intentionally walking the rest of the game. Well, right. <laughs> Scooty came back up in the sixth and hit his third home run of the game. He gave the old curtain call after this one, JB, but he actually was not in his curtain situation. He got another at-bat in the eighth inning. JB, what do you think he did? Well, I know what he did. <laughs> he hit another. Pulled a two-run bomb to right field for his fourth homer of the game, JB. Just in case you don't remember, he had four home runs, 10 RBIs, in what was one of the most historic performances, single game, individual, in Cincinnati Reds history. The craziest part is, two days prior, he was in an 0 for 19 slump. Wow. I forgot <laughs> about that. No kidding. 0 for 19, four home runs two days later. JB, Scooter Jeanette individual effort I oh yeah all it takes is one he became a legend after that in the city man that's right yeah we love scooter oh scooter is he still playing anywhere i don't know we'll have to look that one up jb all right well let's uh let's jump on to the next segment bringing back the tremendous sports fact or fiction you ready to go oh my goodness let's go jb i got about five of them how many you got one two three four five I got six, so I'm gonna kick it you off. You know how you that. know well. You know how you know how I miscount sometimes. So it's who true. knows how many I actually have? <laughs> Math. All right, I'll kick it off. Here we go. Let's get it. The Phoenix Coyotes NHL team was originally. <laughs> uh, well, I guess I just gave it away. The Phoenix uh, Coyotes NHL team was originally going to be called the Phoenix Pimps before being vetoed by the commissioner. Uh, just for uh, fun's sake, let's say that's a fact. <laughs> uh, it's fiction. Sorry, man. Oh, my gosh, man. I was hoping it was a fact, man. Uh, the I Phoenix wish. Pimps. Yeah, it'll be good. Pimping out in the desert. Mm-hmm. All right, JB. Kobe Bryant, RIP to him, mm-hmm. was named after Kobe-styled beef, a delicate strain of Japanese cattle. No way. That's fiction, right? JB. JB, that's a fact. Are you so serious? That's the, how it got You can look it up. There's, act, there's actually wow. two different stories that I'm seeing about it. That mm-hmm. I don't know which one is the actual reason. The ones, the first story is his dad loved the taste after he had the Kobe-style beef. And the second one is his parents were at a restaurant out in Japan, and they saw it on a menu, and they mm. said, we're going to name our son that. So I don't know which one of those is the okay. accurate reason, but yeah. Kobe style beef, KOB style wow. beef, a delicate, a delicate, uh, very tasteful strain of Japanese cattle. Wow. I don't know if I can, I don't know, name my kid after some food. That's crazy. <laughs> Dang. Okay. All right. Um, all right. From 1990 to 1998, when Michael Jordan was playing with the Bulls. Chicago never had a three-game losing streak. I think that's a fact. It is a fact. Yeah, I think I've heard that one before. Yeah, that one's insane. Man, never never had a three-game losing streak. That's 
Mm-hmm. Wow. In 82 game seasons. That's crazy, JB. Okay. Julius Peppers, former defensive end, and Donovan McNabb, former quarterback, are the only two men to have played in the Super Bowl and an NCAA Final Four game. That's fiction. That is fact. Fact? What did McNabb? That is fact. What? Syracuse. He did? That's right. I didn't know that. That is fact. Wow, I knew Peppers did. I remember him. Syracuse basketball, 6-2 guard. Did not know that. You got me. Only played played during the 95-96 season and the 96-97 season. Oh, that's a good one. Speaking of Syracuse, did you know Carmelo Anthony originally committed to UK, that's the University of Kentucky, before he realized the school was extremely overrated and supported by a toxic fan base? We're going to say <laughs> fiction on that. Yeah, it's fiction. <laughs> I always got to throw jabs, you know. Got to, got to. All right, JB. The most capped player in U.S. men's national team history is Clint Dempsey with 141. Fact? That's fiction. It's actually Kobe Jones, 164. No kidding. He played that many Kobe Jones. What? I think from 92 to 2004. Wow. Okay. All righty. Let's see. The game of tug of war was not just made for summer camps and silly backyard fun. Did you know it was originally featured in the Olympics from 1900 to 1920? Uh, let's go with fact. It is a fact. Wow, incredible. Yeah, I don't know the Man. specs of the rules or how many per side, but pretty crazy. Well, tug of war definitely comes to mind recently for me. Uh, shout out to Squid Games. Have you seen Squid Games? I have not. <laughs> There's gonna be some listeners that who, who are gonna remember the tug of war scene. <laughs> okay. If you ha- if you haven't seen it, look it up, y'all. All right. They 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 just got some free some free uh, marketing from me. All right, here we go. <laughs> free advertising. All right. Free advertising. The Baltimore Ravens since their 1996 existence until now have only had two head coaches i think that's a fact it's fiction jb they've actually had three ted marchabroda brian billick and john harbaugh got all marchabroda dang it ted marchabroda was their first first coach he was with the colts for a while right was he a coordinator okay he was the head coach was he Wow. Yeah, the the year we made it to the AFC Championship, he was Jim Harbaugh's head coach. Let her rip. Wow, let her rip. What he okay. told Jimmy Harbaugh. Yep, go ahead. All right. So Prairie View A&M holds the infamous record for most losses in a row in sports history from 1989 to 1998, 80 games in a row. I'm going to say fiction. That's a fact. Those poor kids. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh lordy. Losses. Golly. Yeah. Well, sir. Mm. <laughs> I mean, All right, JB. Yeah, I don't know how many coaches they went through there, but man, oh man. On August tenth, nineteen forty-four, the Braves beat our Cincinnati Reds two nothing in a game that took 
One hour and 15 minutes to complete. The shortest nine inning night game ever. One hour and 15. Fact? That's a fact, JB. Wow, I got one. I think I got one right. Hey. <laughs> I finally got one. Jeez, that's One's crazy. One's better than none. One, one is better than none. One hour and 15 minutes? Must have been like no One hour and 15. Wow. Crazy. All right. So did you know that uh, so famous, you know, all-time great pitcher Doc Gooden, he actually received a doctorate in psychology from the University of Alabama, St. Georgetown? Is that a fact? <laughs> no, it's fiction. Alabama, <laughs> Alabama, St. Alabama, St. Georgetown should have gave it away. Yeah, it should have. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got caught up in it. I got caught up. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. All right, JB. Excellent segment as usual. But now it is time to move on mm. to the new, to the improved. Well, not improved, it's just new. JB's justifications. JB Justifications. Oh, let's let's get after it. For those of you that don't know. I'm still going to ask JB, like he did in No Nose, a personal question. Then JB's justifications will come in. I'll give JB one minute. I'll give him a side to take from a fact, and he'll justify which side he's taking. And then we'll do name the athlete. All right, JB. All right. Personal question is, what is JB's favorite meal to cook? Favorite meal to cook? Um... I'm a pretty basic guy. Uh, okay. I like I like making a breakfast, you know, maybe some okay. eggs, eggs and bacon, throwing some wrong pancakes with even. Yeah, I can I can do pretty good for myself with that. That's about the breakfast time. Yeah, that's about the range of my skill when it comes to cooking. Anyway, so ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ain't nothing wrong with that. All right, JB. Time for the JB's justification. And I'm going to put a minute on the clock and I'm going to read right. to you this semi-lengthy excerpt. Okay. All right. Tyler Malley is 27. Vlad Gutierrez is 26. Raver San Martin is 25. Nick Lodolo is 24. And Hunter Green is 22. This move to more youthful starting pitching is the change the Reds need to become contenders in the next few years. Matter of fact, we'll add Rookie of the Year Jonathan Indian Tyler Stevenson to the youth movement just to give you guys an idea of this youth movement in general. A minute is on the clock and go. I see what you're trying to do to me here. I mean, when you <laughs> when you think about it that way, sure, I can make the argument that um, pitching, of course, wins. Now, whether mm -hmm. or not these guys are going to come through and fulfill their potential, that's another story. Uh, point. I, I feel like the talent-wise, expectation-wise for them, uh, I think it makes a whole lot of sense to, to put them out there and see what they can do now. Um, I'm not a fan of getting rid of the guys in the lineup that uh, right. we could right. utilize to help them score some runs and put runs on the board right. for them. But Got about I, 20 seconds, JB. I absolutely can understand you know, rather than waiting for a guy like Sonny Gray to get another year on his, you know, right. contract and then you don't get anything for him. Um, makes sense to me because I know in the past we've held on to guys for too long. Uh, reference Alrighty. Johnny Cueto. Um, and you yep. don't get anything back for them. So I'll, I'll say right, yes JB. because of that. 
That's time, JB. And to add on to what you're saying, got a good point. Sonny Grace, he's above 30. Wade Miley, who we loved, he's in his mid, getting upper 30s. And uh, when you look at it from that perspective and you got these young pitchers coming in and, you know, they have somebody to look up to in Luis Castillo, who's, you know, he's starting to kind of get up there a little bit, but he's still in the peak of his play. You know, I think that if the Reds pitching, you know, can early in the season kind of hold serve and then improve as June and July comes, watch out. Watch out for these Reds. Shout out to Hunter Green, man. I can't wait for Hunter Green to start. I know. I know. So excited for that guy. All right, JB. Excellent. Nicely done. Um, finally, okay, thank you. we have our name, the athlete. It's a retired NFL player, JB. Okay. His dad, Papa, was an NFL QB. He was born in Washington, D.C. His okay. college coach was an NFL QB. He was an NFL QB. Yeah. He was known for hating public attention and not mm-hmm. having social media. He was a valedictorian in high school and his known for loving to read books and he's got a great he had a great like neck beard going on andrew luck <laughs> andrew luck <laughs> nicely done jb one of my favorites man i'm i'm still sad that he retired at age 29 but he got to do what's best for himself you know ultimately if he, if he if his head's not in it and he doesn't love the game anymore then it's time to move on, and yep. I think that's what it was for Andrew Luck. He was one of my favorite Colts of all time, though. Yeah, and um, yeah, being a – I don't know. It would be like for me if Joe Burrow, when he's 28, just says, you know what, yeah. I'm good. I mean, that's – yeah, man, that'll be, that would be tough for me. But Yeah, I wish the Colts could have put some uh, better offensive linemen around him, and then maybe he wouldn't be retired, but I ain't going to say nothing about that. <laughs> uh, well, that was fun. Fun show. Um Thank you guys, as always, for the support and the love. Thank you. We appreciate uh, it. We appreciate it. No.jb.sportspedigree at gmail.com. You know, we yes, got sir. The TikTok going on. We got the Instagram. We'll be posting on YouTube. Um, so we out there. Hit us up. Uh, let us know what you think. All right. We'll holla at y'all later. Y'all have a good one. Have a good week. Check it. We keep pushing forward when the lights dim. The flame still burns when the night ends. So it's time to get animated promptly. My passion's connotated as anger. Wrongly, since I'm as real as it gets, I won't take that. Might spew a couple of words I won't take back. I'll be the thug who seems to bring charm. Check my skin in the U.S. I'm seen as that regardless. Docile and harmless. Emblematic guinea pigs. Submit to control all the people in the city did.